Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Casa Grant on the line. Casa, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Michael? I am awesome. Really looking forward to this conversation. You do some amazing work in the leadership space. And as I was chatting with you a little bit in the pre-show, well, you know, once once our audios work, um, technology is great until it doesn't work. Uh, yeah. and, and, the, and a setting changes when we're like, I didn't change that setting. But anyway, you know, in the conversation beforehand, you know, we talked about, you know, your leadership style and how you, you kind of bring a human element to uh, helping leaders become the leaders that they want to be. So why don't you share a bit about you and, and this work that you do? Yeah. I mean, thanks. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks for having me too. Um, well, I think the people that I work with most are people who I call offbeat leaders. They're people who um, maybe didn't get an MBA or didn't see themselves at 15 as like leading a company or whatever. Right. So uh, they come into this leadership role for various reasons and they know that they have strengths at it. They know that they're good at it to a degree, but there's always this kind of, uh, you know, insecurity around what if I'm not legit as a leader because I took this kind of, I'm doing air quotes, alternate path, you know? So um, it's, it's helping them really reconnect with, well, reconnect, connect with uh, what makes them powerful as leaders. And so some of that can be drawing out their stories that will help them connect with their um with their people. Uh, and I show, I call it showing up as the kind of leader that you want to follow, which is kind of Simon Sinek's is like, show, show up as the leader they wish you had. But, you know, if we put more thought into this and more, uh, a little more intention into this, a lot of leaders can really improve and it doesn't take a lot, but it does take intention. And so uh, that's, that's, that's what I help my clients do is, is, is really tap into like, okay, it's fine that I'm an offbeat leader and here is why, and here's how I can use that to connect with my employees. I love that strategy, and I'm one of those offbeat leaders that didn't get an MBA started and then decided, oh, let's get married, and I'll go back, and well, never did, but uh, my career took all kinds of twists and turns, and next thing you know, I find myself leading organizations, and I'm going... How did I get here? You know, right, what exactly. Yeah. Hmm. And that was bef- that was before Google, so I couldn't really. How do you Google to be a leader? You know, more or less. <laughs> thankfully, I had the uh, wherewithal to you know, find some mentors that you know some guided me well, some not so much. But you don't know until afterwards. But at the end of the day, uh, you, you take little lessons you learn along the way, and and you figure out you know, who, who you are as a person. And, and, and what I find in, in the leadership style that I have is, okay, I'll try to put people in the sweet spot where they, one, are doing things that they enjoy doing, they're good at, and make sure that they have all the tools that they need and get out of their way and let mm-hmm. them do that. But don't be uh, MIA and not be available to them because sometimes they need encouragement. Sometimes they need some guidance. Sometimes they just need um, a soft pillow to land on or just somebody to vent to because they're frustrated about who knows what. So I always like those leaders that don't necessarily fit the mold where you know they came out of McKinsey or 
any other executive consulting organization and, you know, did all these other things in lead companies. It's those, those ones that I don't want to call them reluctant leaders, but maybe there was a little bit of reluctance when they found themselves in these roles. I'd love to hear your thought about the phrase reluctant leader. Yeah, that's, I mean, you saw me nodding (laughs) vigorously. Well, and I wouldn't say it's necessarily reluctant in terms of, I think it's very organic for a lot of people that I work with in particular, like, you know, they moved up, they were the best doer. So then it was obvious to put them into this leadership position, but you can't be the best doer and still be a great leader. And that's where I see a lot of my clients struggling in terms of you know, they really would love to get back in and just be the best doer sometimes. And we all struggled with this at times too. And that's the hard part of the trust and the delegation and and really communicating that stuff clearly, but also supporting them when they need to be supported so that they really can succeed. And I would say, you know, the biggest thing that they suffer from is imposter syndrome, right? Like they, they, there's this, that sense of, uh, what if I'm not doing this well enough? And I think that a lot of, like I said, a lot of people that I work with, they like being a leader. They just know that they could be doing it better. And they worry that it's because they don't um, have this kind of background like we were talking about. And and I think that that kind of background, I'm, you know, I'm sure it's wonderful for many, many people, uh, but it certainly does not, is not the only path to success as a leader. And, uh, you know, I think that, I, I mean, I, I, my, my, I was thrown into leadership roles from pr- a pretty young age, to be perfectly honest. I think I was just like the loud bossy one or something. <laughs> it's like, oh, you can be in charge, right? But I never really uh, felt like that was where I needed to be, you know, or where I should be. It's just that I got like used to it. And that's, I think, what leadership is too, especially when you've come from this place where uh, you didn't necessarily envision that path from yourself from when you were a little kid or whatever. Uh, you you start to see, oh, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not terrible at this, even if you can't say I'm good at this or I'm okay at this. You know, you can say I'm not terrible at this and how can I get better? You know, and so that's the thing of it's always worth it to try to get better, you know? So that's, that's something that it's just having the courage to do it and having the, like you say, be able to try and find paths that maybe don't work. You're going to still learn. It might not be the way that you wanted to learn, <laughs> even if it's learning what not to do. Um, but, you know, it can, I mean, some of the best teachers I've had about leadership were people that were showing me what not to do. Then that sounds harsh, but it really, they were lessons that I really took with me. Yes. Those mistakes are what, build the founding or the foundation basically of most of our leadership styles. It's like, okay, we tried that. That didn't work. Doesn't mean it wouldn't necessarily work somewhere else, but wow, are we hesitant to try it? Cause we're like, I still feel the scars on that one. And it's in my, in my own personal career, there were some things that I did. And of course, you know, if I had a chance to do them over again, I, I certainly wouldn't have approached it the way that I did. But in many cases, you have to make decisions in a very short period of time. Yes. And you have to do it with the information that you have available. Mm-hmm. And if you don't make the decision, then you shouldn't be in leadership because you you have to make a decision. That's why people come to you. It's like, it's like, yeah, I need, yeah. What's what's your call on this? And you're like, mm, I don't want to make the call on this. Can I go back to just doing the mailroom stuff again? Or because and like you mentioned that before, where there's many times as a leader, we wish we could just go back into either management role or even not even a management role and just do the work and not have the quote unquote accountability that leaders have. But the thing of it is every employee has accountability 
at some level. And sometimes at the, you know, pushing things off, I find it's like, if this is really bugging me and I'm struggling with this. I look at myself and I go, why? What's going on? Is there yes. something that I'm missing that's making this difficult? Is it a past experience or past trauma or reluctance or just complete uncertainty on things? And once you figure that out, it, for me anyway, it helps me kind of strip out some of the emotions mm -hmm. and go, okay, what are the facts here? What are the pieces here that I need to put together? What do I need to do in order to make this situation or this project or whatever we happen to be dealing with move forward? And then once I do that, then most times it's, you get it done. You go, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's a powerful practice that I have a lot of my clients do, which is a decision um, reflection every week. So, you know, you write down the decisions that you had to make during generally bigger ones, right? And then you go back at the end, you have to set the time aside and go back, like what you're talking about, what were the facts, what are my interpretations of the facts, you know, how do I think this decision is going to play out and keep track of how you think that you intended that decision to play out? Because then you can look at that in six months and go, oh, and that's how you really learn. I mean, if we can just go around doing stuff all the live long day, but until we actually take that time to reflect, we're not actually learning and it's harder to apply uh, the lessons that we're really learning. So um, taking the emotion out is exactly what is needs to happen is because we are humans. We cannot, we're not robots. We can't um, just separate all the emotions and also the interpretations. I mean, that's something that we, I deal with a lot um, in one-on-one -on -one coaching is, you know, how much of this is your interpretation and how much of this is fact? And let's talk about what the interpretations are based on. That's fine. But, you know, when you believe the interpretation is if it were fact, that's when you really run into problems um, around decision making in general too and you know it, it that sounds very cut and dry and it's but it's not as we know so yeah having that time set aside to really reflect and grow is i mean and i think that that's one thing that is is the hardest for people like we were talking about like wanting to go back and be the doer is that you look at your schedule and you see all these calls and you see uh you know maybe some time that you've blocked out for deep work hopefully and you see all the, and you think, what have I done with my week? I'll, I'll, you know, where did my week go? I couldn't do, be anything productive. And it's like, well, actually the work that you're of leadership, that's what you were doing. You know, that's that setting that time aside. That's that having that one-on-one -on -one with somebody who needs it. That's those regular um, check-ins. And if for some people it starts to, as they shift that perspective, it can be really, I, I think it's important to grow, you know, like, when you stagnate, it's night. There's there's nothing wrong with comfort at certain levels, but we start to stagnate. We start to get bored. I mean, we're basically living our life story out, and when we feel like our story's boring, the plot gets boring. It's like, let's watch a movie about a guy that you know went to work and did stuff every day. You know, <laughs> it's not a really exciting plot. So when we have these growth opportunities, that's I think part of what makes people go into some of these leadership roles. Um, and, and just stepping back and really appreciating that too, is like, you know, even when it's difficult understanding, like this is helping me grow, which I think is a really important thing to focus on in your life. You know, that's getting kind of a, a heavy with it, but you know, it, it is. 
you know, the, the growth opportunities aren't from easy waters, you know, like, you know, the no. easy, you know, sailors that can sail choppy waters are the ones that become good sailors. If it's all smooth and it's like, okay, great. You can sail in a bathtub. That's awesome. That's not going right. to grow you anywhere. Exactly. Um, you have to, challenges are what give you opportunities and insights and growth and make you a stronger leader. Mm-hmm. Especially in challenging times, you know, right. this you know last couple of years have been challenging for leaders of every type of industry mm-hmm. because of a pandemic. And you know, from your workforce working remotely to supply chain issues to you know, health of people to everything, it's been a challenging time for everybody and especially for leaders because again your employees are looking to them to make decisions and there wasn't a rule book that we had it's like okay well follow these steps it it was all you know figure it out as we go along and that is something that i know a lot of leaders are really not comfortable with they want to you know have kind of at least a framework of how we're going to go about doing things and sometimes in things like pandemics there isn't a framework you're gonna to have to you know design it as you go along so i just tell people make sure you use a pencil because you might yes. be erasing or cross <laughs> it out if you need to or get some liquid paper and cover it up or um, if you're typing it on a computer at least you can you know backspace and you know delete and start again but you know don't don't put this as a forever and ever type of thing you know, it's like and roll it out and even with a client that i help out with you know there's been a pretty significant change in their organization as far as some personnel and some projects that they're doing and the approach is different than what they've done in the last 25 years so wow. It's a, so there's a lot of apprehension. I see all of the emotional roadblocks that get put up. I I see them grab their bag of excuses and Mm -hmm. try to pull it out and say, well, there's this one situation. It's like, okay, one out of 180. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, well, I'm not going to throw away a policy or procedure because there's one out of 180 edge cases will always kill you one day <laughs> they do and you know, i always and i always you know go back to star trek to the wrath of god when spock says the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few well guess what right. same thing with policies it's like that mm-hmm. one person will have to or project or location or whatever the case may be will deal with that and we'll come up with some protocols to navigate around it so it isn't cumbersome. If it becomes too cumbersome, then we need to, I don't know, maybe we got to do a Jack Welch thing and dehire them. Or we have to, you know, it's, there's, you know, there's, you can, do, you can go extreme if you want, or you can go, well, let's see if we can figure out a happy medium. You know, your, each approach can work. It's just, you know, depending on your leadership style as well as the situation as, as well. Well, and that's, I think, the hardest part and why it's so critical to start trusting yourself as a leader, even when, and, and, and the communication, of course, with, with your employees of, around, you know, hey, we're trying this thing, you know, and we're not trying to introduce more uncertainty, but we do need to pivot in response to the global situation you see around you, you know, I mean, um, I used to work in Antarctica and logistics and we, I did three winters down there and we had contingency plan upon contingency plan because the weather, I mean, of course, was always a huge uh, factor, but there could be other things too. I mean, you know, planes wouldn't come in, et cetera, usually because of the weather. <laughs> um, and, you know, 
after a while, you kind of start, stopped making the contingency plans because you just had to start trusting that you would figure it out. And that can be really, really scary for people, you know, um, of like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but I know I'm a smart person who can Google. <laughs> and and so I'm going to have to like use some resiliency here. And I mean, certainly you can't Google every leadership problem by any stretch. I don't mean to uh, minimize it like that, but starting to trust yourself is such a huge leadership. Um, and, and I'm not saying that I think most leaders always struggle with that. Like that's never anything that you're going to just be like, I completely trust myself all the time, you know? Um, but as you start to grow and stretch that muscle, that's why I think when you start to get into really excellent leadership. Yeah. It, it makes it from my standpoint, it makes it fun. You know, mm. when you, you, you lean into it and go, okay, this one's going to be, Sometimes we might say fun sarcastically, um, right. and it might be there might That's be a, diff- a, di- a different F-lettered word that uh, we'd be using. But uh, right. but in most cases, like okay, this is going to be an opportunity. Yes, there's going to be resistance. Yes, there's going to be some there. But if as a leader you are confident that this is the right direction to go then you push through and eventually, you know, like the bell curve says, okay, there's going to be the people that are going to be mm, not sure the people that'll be supportive and there'll be the people that, you know, wouldn't support it. Even if you said you're going to get a million dollars a day in your wallet, if you support it, they would still right. not support never it. Going to, yeah. So don't worry about them unless mm-hmm. they're the majority, then maybe take a second look and go, Hmm, why, is, why are they fighting this so much? And, you know, that's when, you know, the due diligence and understanding your teams and challenges and all of that come into play. But again, you know, don't, don't run away from a challenge. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and being willing to pivot if you need to, if you see that the policy that you've put in place is not working or is inappropriate, then you got to change it and you got to admit it. And, and it doesn't need to be long or drawn out or whatever, but just like, you know, we thought this would work. It doesn't seem to be. So we're going to try this instead, you know? And again, I don't, I don't think that you need to have a lot of um, volatility, but you have to be honest about this stuff instead of just throwing new policies around or not doing anything differently just for the sake of not doing anything differently. You know, it's always that happy medium, isn't it? Absolutely. And once you figure out those happy mediums, it, it just makes life so much easier. So in all the work you're doing and the work that you've done, is there one instance, and obviously client confidentiality, you don't need to mention anybody, but is there the, that one situation that you think back of and say, this is going to provide me so many lessons going forward in all the work that you've done and continue to do? Yeah, I mean, one of my clients uh, I have worked with pretty extensively, um, even from operations right into marketing. And so it's been amazing to be that up close with all these different aspects of a company and and really be able to see um, what's going into X. I mean, they're growing exponentially, you know, what they're going through from the CEO level to the directors to kind of the mid-level managers. Um, It's been yeah, an amazing learning experience. And especially during the pandemic, clearly too, you know, I mean, um, I think that we're kind of starting to accept that there is no normal yet, that there's going to be the new normal. And so um, helping root the strategy moving forward in the integrity of the company is just so crucial. And um, and helping kind of to be that reminder person of like, hey, remember we were going <laughs> to remember that this is a priority, you know, um, it's, it's been really, 
great and really powerful to be able to be a part of that. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's our, our clients and the people we work with or people we talk with just in, in general, it's amazing. You know, what kind of tools and tidbits we can pick up along the way and go, wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try that. And it just has such a great ripple effect in, in the work that we do. It just could be a simple conversation or just observing. Okay. Here's a business that is going through some interesting challenges and we get to be there to help one guide them and to learn from them as well. It's, I, I consider it a privilege, you know, when we get to do stuff like that and it makes, makes this type of work that we do a whole lot better. Oh, I agree. And I mean, I will say like, I learned from every single one of my clients and that's part of what I love about this so much is like, you really don't know what lesson you're going to get when you take a new client on and, um, or lessons, uh, and also just learning about, I mean, I, I'm also just fascinated with different companies and the way that they work. And it's just, it's really neat to be able to be a part of that, but still see the threads, the patterns. And I'm sure you see this too. Like, okay, here's a venture capitalist firm over here. Here's a tech company over here. Here's another tech. I do work with a lot of tech, if I'm honest. And you can see those strings that go through almost every single one of them where, you know, the same things crop up. And it's not that they're not special. It's just that these are human behavior patterns, right? And um, so the more you can just give them that guiding hand to navigate them through of like, hey, you're not a freak. <laughs> this is something we can work through. And here's the guy, here's your steadying presence, you know? And I think that that's, I mean, my coach helps me with that. You know, it's, it's just something to have somebody to, um, that you can really chat, like really be open with and right. who really pushes you yeah. um, to be better at, you know, I think that's just so powerful. Yeah, it's it's incredibly important. And coaches have coaches. I always tell anybody that's Absolutely. going into coaches, it's like, make sure you have coaches yourself yes. because they'll they'll help you see some things that uh, you may be blind to or just blow past and you don't really recognize it so guess no, no, no. Blow up. go ahead i'm sorry no and that, that was just what i was to say is like a lot of times we forget to acknowledge our wins and that's the thing that for me especially is the most valuable you just barrel past everything and and you forget you, you know the negativity bias takes over and then you go oh yeah i did do all that <laughs> or oh yeah this is where we were last year you know oh yeah my reflection yeah, well, I worked for an organization many years ago, and other than the companies that I led, it was the only company that ever did this. After every project, they would bring in the team that worked on the project and a handful of people from other projects, and we would have a full-on debrief of how that project went, what went well, what didn't, what did we learn new that we had never seen before. And that way that permeated through the organization. And what that ended up doing was after doing this exercise for about six months, we became more efficient with how we were running projects, which gave us the opportunity to take on more projects without bringing yes. on additional consultants, which generated more revenue. And headquarters over in Germany got wind of that and you know, sent the big people over to say, what in the world are you doing? How are you able to do this? Because, you know, Germans love efficiency. Oh, so, they you know, like, 
So they're like, what, what are you doing? And, uh, well, uh, we're, we're communicating and we're kind of learning from what we're doing and kind of paying attention. And they're like blown away by this. And unfortunately, that was the only organization that ever did that until I started leading some organizations. And after anything huge or even something that was small, it's like, okay, what, what went well? What learned? What would you do differently? Mm-hmm. And for those first few meetings, everybody's like, why are we doing this? But then it got to the point where everybody was contributing and then again we became more efficient in some of the things we did and it, it it's just you know, constant quality improvement is what it boils down to and once you do that your organization gets better which means the products and services your company makes or offers is better and then us as consumers get better stuff it's and, a win and win honestly win. too to sound cold hard cash but in here but it's straight up profit right and and that's the one thing like you know uh a lot of this stuff can feel kind of fluffy at times because, oh, that's not, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the perception is and I think it's getting better, but you know, that's those things that are, that are being proactive are straight up profit. You add to your bottom line. And even though it feels really challenging to, if you're on the hamster wheel and you're just like, oh, we got to deal with this, 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 it feels challenging to get those in there. I mean, it just pays off like what you're talking about in dividends. So and then that's with your personal development growth too and your leadership growth. Yeah. So 100%. So, because I've loved this conversation, probably talked to you for days on all of this. So, where can people find out more about you and this awesome work you do? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, well, my website is cassagrant.com. It's C A S S A G R A N T. It's after I wrote in Wyoming. My mom was very creative <laughs> with my name. I love it. So, it's cassagrant.com. Um, I also hang out on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I love being there. So I'm happy to connect with people um, there. And also Instagram. I definitely do some inst- a little bit of Instagram and Facebook. So um, yeah, I'd love to connect. I have some freebies on my website if people are interested in better storytelling techniques, personal branding, and um, leadership strengthening, basically. Um, so yeah, come check it out. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely have that in the show notes. So Cassa, thank you again so much for the work you do and, and for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Michael. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.